Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? You know, same old, same old. Uh, obviously, we've got some some shooty hoops coming up. But first, uh, quick plug, if you all skipped the little weird special app, we do have a little bit of an uneven recording schedule, at least here for the next few months entirely driven by real life getting in the way these things take like 20 hours per episode on our part to get out so we're sorry more details check out that episode but we're here hooray hooray we're back uh and it's exciting it's basketball season it is i it still blows my mind that there was never a las vegas march madness bit because it feel i mean you can see danny at the book just pouring over the different screens, Mike doing some MIT bullshit with his fake models, and Delinda swooping in and being like, ooh, I like the mascot's colors on this team and winning it every single time. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a real, especially because opening weekend in Vegas is what? I mean, second to the Super Bowl, like their biggest like marquee week. Yeah, just absolute god show. We did it once. Have you done it since? I have not. I don't know that I ever will. No, it, it it is officially branded too much for your boy. I mean, that's a that's a good check it off your list. You done it. Everyone should do it and then be done because holy shit. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll I'll take conference championship weekend over opening weekend myself. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't give, don't give away our proprietary secret. Touche, touche. That's your boy's secret sauce right there. You're just dishing out. I mean, it's not that much of a secret. There's already a whole lot of people there that weekend anyway, so. And we don't need any more. Hmm. Touche. You know when's a really good time? Have you considered Big 12 ACC shootout week? What a time. I like the uh, the Madness in Maui or whatever the, the dumb Maui Invitational. The Maui Invitational. There you go. Start Start your year off right. Go get yourself laid in Vegas. While you watch, never mind. Yeah, no, you got it. (laughs) Nope. Uh, Well, with that, shall we get into this? Yeah, might as well. As long as we're sexually charged, maybe we should uh, see if we can't find some old bitches to hang out with. Mm. It's season four, episode nine, Wines and Misdemeanors. The ball is tipped, and there you are. We open with Vibes off the charts in Vegas. It's daytime. We've got the tunes going. The butts are out. The legs are out. And so are the olds. Lot of olds. Turns out there's a retirees convention here at the Montecito. And Mary is going to try and help some nice old lady to a tournament that I don't know if she's going to make it in time. She's only got 35 minutes and it's all the way four steps away on the floor. I think the bigger issue, I mean, a lot's made of the timing. She's walking her to what I'm pretty sure is a small set of stairs. And this lady's on a walker like she's about to go down hard. Gonna need to find a ramp for this lady for sure. 
what aside from a Sudoku tournament do you think goes on at a fucking retiree convention? Isn't that what they do all the time is convene about being retired? It does seem like that's kind of I guess this is for those that do not live in a retirement home, but want to get that sweet, sweet STD riddled retirement (laughs) home life. A lot of shuffleboard, a lot of bingo and a whole lot of fucking. I guess. But I just do you got to go to Vegas for that? I don't know. It seems like an unnecessary expense for some people that are presumably on a fixed income. You know, clock's running. Can't take it with you. Might as well enjoy it. Speaking of enjoying, Delinda has done some sex toy shopping on her break and is getting the engine revved up with Danny when he and Mike get a call to go down to the wine cellar, which is just held out as a thing that's always existed. A noted set we've been to many times. So many great scenes in the wine cellar over the years. Because there's a there's a bit of a situation happening down there. And I say down there, down what appears to be about 70 floors. This elevator shaft goes down from the lobby. For forever. And it looks a whole lot like the vault that we saw get a hole blown in it not too long ago. I mean, what is a wine cellar if not a vault for wine? I mean, it is, in fact, precisely that. And if your actual vault is getting routinely broken into, you should probably repurpose it for not storing valuable shit. Or less valuable shit, like, I don't know, the wine. A work crew is down there renovating the old wine cellar, which is the set we all remember having seen so many times. Oodles, even. And the situation is they found a hidden room with a collection of bottles dating back to the Monica Mancuso days, all of which appear to be trash, like shit liquor, like fucking college vodka hooch, all sorts of bad shit. We're talking plastic bottles, stuff you'd pull off the well at a bad dive bar, like not even just some some decent hooch. This is some cheap, cheap stuff. I believe rock gut, they call it. Mm, yes, the the finest of inside destroyers. But, uh, you know, Mike and Danny having a few laughs. Danny sees one bottle that uh, Mike's got to check out, chucks it to him floater style when we hear a, frankly, blood curdling scream from a voice we do not yet know, which probably didn't have too much of an effect. Let's be serious, because Mike was never going to catch this bottle. I disagree. Mike had caught the previous bottle thrown his way and thrown it back to Danny. They had a little back and forth Mm. rapport. My hot take is this motherfucker is responsible for spoilies to broken bottles. I he's certainly on the hook for one and is at least an accessory on the second. Mike gets off pretty scot free here. We will see, which is mind blowing. But the reason this guy who will learn is highly coveted sommelier Philip Corbin. The reason why he is screaming his mind off is Danny has chucked to Mike a $30,000 bottle of fermented grape juice. Oopsies. And not only is old Philip here pissed off, but so is a absolutely livid Big Ed. So uh, fuck Danny, I guess, huh? Yeah, pick the pick the wrong bottle there. I'm surely during the intro, Ed will cool off and be over it, right? Yeah, not so much. We come out of the intro and Ed is cradling the label from this broken bottle like it was a child that he just pile drived and is donezo. 
No, I was going to say he's cradling the label like fucking six year old Delinda got hit by a truck and he's cradling the dead body like he is disgusted at what he's seeing, but crestfallen and heartbroken in a way we have never seen him like slowly drawing the the label off and, and wrapping it in his finest handkerchief to try and protect it. I half expected this motherfucker to lick the broken glass to try and get a little taste. As, as we come to learn, it's it's was going to be his only chance at trying this $30,000 bottle of wine. So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised he didn't try and just like wring out the corner into his mouth. The bad news, this is a 30 something year old bottle of Montrachet wine retail. Uh, well, not retail. Fuck that. It doesn't exist anymore. Auctions for about north of 30 grand. Good news, they found two extra full cases of the stuff. And Sommelier Corbin's like, hey, we've got this wine auction to try and uh, put the Montecito cellar on the map. Why not uh, Why not throw this in there? And everyone's like, yeah, this is a great idea, but sucks that, da- that uh, Big Ed won't get to try it. Quick, uh, quick thought here. Go ahead, Judson. Maybe just auction one of the cases of this that, uh, tremendously it's, it's, expensive wine. That was kind of my lean. If 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 just having the full case is the requirement, seems like you can hold back this bonus case that you just found. No money out. No no right. books to reconcile. If I'm Ed and I'm really that horny for it, like one for you, one for me. Seems perk of being the boss. Yeah, so the deal is you can't break up the the case or it's going to be worth a lot less, right? I think this is an opportunity for Danny to get himself back on the map. He opens up one of the cases and spikes a bottle. He's like, hats over the wall, motherfuckers. Mm. Like, Ah, it's a a high beta move, right? I mean, That's a bold, bold take because we already saw a look that we have not really seen out of Ed before. And so that the oof, possibility for error is high, but I like where your head's at. Take the hostage out of the equation. Yeah, sorry, bud. Can't put up a broken case, a, uh, you know, a, a broken up case of wine here. That would be vino sacrilege. Uncouth. And what? You want to be the uncouth wine destination of Las Vegas? Right. And like fucking billionaire uh, Casey owns the joint. So. He's going to get whatever windfall. Fuck that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I I mean, absolutely terrible. And and L on it, we may have to factor this into the discussion at the end of the podcast, but like self-owned by Ed here. Yeah. There's no need to even go through this math. Just be like, cool. That one's actually mine. I don't know how it got mixed into Monica's secret room that we've never found because we've never been down here, even though we're starting this tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. I will also say this is uh, the first of what I will say is a series, not a big series, but a series of unforced writing errors. There could have just only been the one case. (laughs) Also that. Like, just we only found one. Fuck. It was a baker's dozen of wine. Now it's 12. Obviously, we got to ship, you know, the PR boost is too much. Got us. Got to ship this one. It would, in fact, make way more sense. But Ed's in. Tells Danny, we need security guys down here until we get some cameras, which why didn't you have cameras installed here already? Which, again, that kind of feels like an Ed oversight because he rebuilt the casino and seemingly would have known about the wine cellar and was in charge of placing all the cameras before Danny got here. 
and and or it's a hidden room is the is the problem like what of these two neither path makes sense if it's the wine cellar that they're renovating big ed should have known about it if it's the hidden room it was hidden this isn't legends of the hidden temple where the hidden rooms also have cameras in them yeah i'm not real sure how monica snuck in that hidden room under uh whatever doesn't matter well that makes sense because i do think she was constantly like fucking with the plans and firing people and shit. So I'm not surprised that a room slipped past the goalie. Fair I'm enough. a little surprised that it has stayed hidden for a year and a half, but whatever. Especially with as many times as we've been down in the wine cellar. I mean, I, I actually thought the last time we were down here, wait a minute, is that a hidden room back there? But I wasn't going to say, yeah, I wasn't say like an asshole. Like, surely these guys, these paid security professionals would notice. I must be wrong. Somebody's going to knock on a wall here. It's a little hollow. I mean, that's just my SOP. Every new room I ever enter, I just walk. Everyone's like, what's his deal? I'm like, never know where there's a hidden room. Because the one time it pays off, you're a god. Yeah, the problem is I have on about 10 or 12 occasions grabbed a sledgehammer and put a hole through a perfectly good wall and not uncovered a hidden room. So it is not a strategy without risk. You're going to need to find one of those very expensive cases of wine, bud. Uh, at this point, I need to. I've done a lot of damage. In the face! In the face! <laughs> Danny finally escapes this hellish wine cellar that he's found himself in with Ed to bitch to Delinda about the wine and the sommelier and Ed being mad. And Delinda goes, hey, I've got an idea. How about you quit crying and get off work and we come play with our new toy? And also, I would say before that, even the most sage counsel we've ever gotten out of Dolinda, which is, bud, this just isn't your thing. Chill out. Anyway, want to fuck? Like, she was exactly right. Like, don't try to understand it. It should be sufficient that the people you care about care. Move on. Yeah. You, you know what your lanes are. You're usually good at staying in them. Maybe don't peek out. Mary is bemoaning the death of chivalry based on the influx of old men at this retiree convention. And Mike's having nothing to do with it when Sam reports a disruption at Bella Petto. And Mike's all, Oh yeah, oh yeah. What in reality, his day is about to be, yeah, I'll say it, uh, fucking ruined. It's, uh, it's going to take a turn downward for all Mikey in a couple of ways. Yeah, the issue is that uh, some of Sam's whales are upset that these retired women are also taking advantage of the European bull which is having a deleterious effect on their ability to enjoy the vibes of the normal topless community. Yeah, Mike Mike tries to make the guy an offer. Hey, I'll set you up with a cabana. We'll make it all good. And the guy gives a, a fairly le- leering laugh. And we understand why he likes the seat that he's in. He'll claim it's his lucky seat. But no, he just has a great view of the pool, which is usually full of topless young ladies. Not necessarily the older lady who has taken up residence right in front of his spot. Mike does his absolute best to mitigate the issue by putting the woman in a distant cabana. But to borrow a phrase from Lizzie Kaplan and Party Down, you know what they say about saggy tits in the first act? What do they say? Well, you know what they say about a gun in the first act, Ron. First act of what? Danny has finished work, rushes home to find that Delinda is already in the shower. So he's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Throws off all his clothes, hops in bed, he's waiting for her, only to find that Delita is actually finishing getting dressed as ready to go out for dinner. 
Sharon had some time with her friend, the Frisky Ferret, and is now famished. Yeah, sorry, Danny. Your timing is found wanting. We're going to need you to go ahead and head out to dinner. His timing will continue to be an issue for, well, nearabouts the rest of the episode. Yeah, I I don't I don't think Danny's making a uh, a run up the, the chip lead board today. No, 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 no. And this is one of those that you've got to think like when they talk about uh, like airplane accidents, always talk about the accident chain. It's never it's rarely just one thing. It's like 12 things in a row that happened. Danny's going to be looking back and be like, if I could just cut out any five minute section of my day, the rest would have been fine. It's yep. like it's showing up one hand late into the blackjack shoe and now they're all going up for the dealer. It's some sometimes you get the bear and sometimes now the bear does a bunch of cocaine <laughs> and then gets you and then gets obviously because because the bears hopped up on coke and you are not and bears are much faster when on cocaine it turns out did you see that thing that the national park service i guess tweeted out about don't push your friend down if you're being chased by a bear <laughs> no i did not yeah um are they trying to keep the bears fed i don't know but i'm gonna push anyone and everything down to get away from the bear yeah that's uh i i don't want it to come to that but if that's the battle that's I'd much rather fight a friend than a bear. I sure as hell like my chances a lot better. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to feel very bad if I push someone down and the bear murders them. I'm going to feel worse if the bear murders me, though. Yeah, that's I can't really fault you on that one. When asked to comment, a bear said, Rawr! The wine auction is now in full swing and rich wine connoisseur Larry Chen, also one of Sam's whales, is pushing the bidding for the two cases up to 800 grand. And if you're thinking, wait, Larry Chin looks an awful lot like Mr. Zhao from season one. I've got good news. You're not a racist that thinks all Asian men look alike. It is indeed the same actor. Vegas tried to flip the whole thing on its head and make you think that you're racist. But no, turns out it's just the same guy. Well, I should say you may still be a racist, but this does not this is not a point in favor of you being a racist. You got this one correctly, listener. You're racist. <laughs> Ed is trying to welcome some guests and introduce them to his new sommelier, Philip. But it turns out, oh, old Phil knows these guys. They go way back to that old tasting in Brunei or whatever the hell he was talking about. And Danny's just sitting there staring daggers, bitching at Delinda some more. Just couldn't be angrier at this guy's existence but d loves him apparently already gave her a new wine recommendation and it was better than sex and you can just see danny's dick turtling inside him more and more because apparently when danny goes down the insecure route ooh, he goes down fast i obviously understand intellectually this idea that insecurity is a mental state that is not grounded in reality but if you look like Danny, you're dressed like Danny. You've got the money that Danny has. You got the girlfriend that Danny has, and you're still insecure. I'm gonna need you to just fucking walk into traffic. There's no fixing you. Like the the yips comes for us all, Judson. The yips comes for us all. That's like having yips while you're actively roping homers. You don't have the yips. You're in the home run derby, just piping them, and you're like, God, I I'm such a shit hitter. And everyone's <laughs> like, Uh, pew, nope. Pew. Nope. Pew. You got about you got about 430 on that one, bud. <laughs> You've hit 12 home runs in a row. 
it's been years since you killed all your buddies in an airstrike. What could you possibly be upset about? Well, well, I guess there was that time that Eddie's girlfriend fleeced him out of his dad's house money. And that time that he got his precious car robbed by a couple of children and then exploded in front of his very own eyes. Oh, and his precious girlfriend kidnapped and thrown into a metal box and buried. Okay, you know what? Danny should be insecure, but not about what he not not about what he's actually insecure about. <laughs> that one he does get a pass on. But just because you never have enough knife turning moments, Mikey's gonna come in just to finish the job because as Delinda walks away, Mike can't help but notice the glow that she has and almost wants to give Danny props. Man, you almost have had a good night. You must really ah giving her the good stuff. And he says, well, no, she had a good night. Old Danny boy didn't get to play. Two observations here. One, Danny, shut the fuck up. That is an ins- that is an indoor thought. Keep that inside your dumb head. Yeah, nothing good comes from this. Secondly, we've danced around the issue before. I don't know if we've ever come out and said it. Is it possible that Mike Cannon is the worst TV best friend in the history of TV best friends? Ooh, he's got to be up there. He's so outwardly horny about his best friend's sex life with his with his long term girlfriend. It's not like a oh, yo, you 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 end up hooking up with that girl from the bar last night. Nice. High five. Like he wants intimate details of his long term relationships. It's very strange. Did you ever watch MASH? Yes. It would be like if Hawkeye was horny for BJ's wife back in California all (laughs) the fucking time. Yo, those pegs cookies. Let me get someone back cookies. You know what I mean? No, I mean, she send you any of those old timey photographs that they're taking now. Any upskirts of peg? Come on. Let me see that. How good she fuck. You got a kid, right? How good she fuck. Mikey does not rank high on the list. I'm trying. Oh, he's so. okay. we have to exclude all best friends that are like running scams or turn heel. Right. Actual actual best friends. Coast to coast, the entire run of the show, they're best friends. There's no fucking, you know, massive falling out. On the premises. On the premises. He has got to be pound for pound the worst. I, I, I'm I, reserving my right to think about this until the next time we record, if I can, if something dawns on me. But off the top of my head, man, I, uh, I got nothing. I, not even close. Not since the fucking... I guess maybe Dr. Derek's terrible bachelor party. But even then, Mike was trying to get out of there. I would say like not since they fucking coached the Little League football team. Have these guys been bros outside of work in any real measurable way? Yeah. Basically, as soon as Mike moved into that office, he's like, fuck you. I'm destroying your life from the inside out. Everything got a lot worse once Mike actually joined the security team. Valet Mike was a pretty good best friend. Top shelf. I mean, not only, but, you know, I'd say top quintile at least. Security Mike, though. It's bad. It's bad news. So Chin slash Zhao gets the bidding up over a million dollars. Well, two million dollars. The auctioneer decides that's a gracious plenty. We took 45 minutes to get from 800K to a million. She hears the million is like, all right, well, I got my money here. We're out. I was told to get two commas. I got two commas. Good night. As part of the publicity of, you know, this big auction, Mr. Chen's like, yeah, we take some pictures and fuck it. Should we just open a bottle straight away? This dude knows how to party. Yeah, this guy rules. And he's like, hey, Big Ed, 
would want you to do me the honor of the first taste. And my first thought as they pour this was, holy shit, over 40 grand a bottle for white wine. This is out of control. And look, the idea being white wines don't age as well as like full bodied reds. So there just don't there doesn't tend to be as much of a resale market for it. So I did some research. Color me shocked. The most expensive white wine ever is considered to be an 1811 Chateau de Kim that goes for about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a bottle. That's too much. And the hilarious article that I was reading about this in suggests buying it like I would say, yo, I just played a really fun video game. You should buy it. It's it is honestly some of the best pros I've ever read. They're just like, it'll help you appreciate the finer things in life. <laughs> like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, what? Man, I, I found a $30 bottle of fucking sparkling rosé that made me appreciate things pretty good New Year's. Like, I, I think I'm good. I'm coming at a way lower price point, wine mag. <laughs> Imagine a world in which you've got that kind of money and you're like, fuck it. I read about it online. Gotta see what the hype's about. Well, I mean, it turns out that was Mr. Chen, so. Yeah. Uh, that said, second and third place happen to be Montrachet wines. So that's at least in, in keeping with this. But they top out at like six grand a bottle. So this 40 grand is definitely in a in a universe almost to itself. It's a quite an, up, an upper echelon. Yes. So Chen pours this little taste. And it appears that the wine game is going to be afoot because uh, Big Ed's like, oh, yeah, it's fucking great. Mr. Chin has a sip. He's like, this is it? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I was on the, the interwebs reading about this and in, in winemag.com slash most expensive bottles. And this kind of sucks. What's uh, what's the deal here, bud? This is some pretty mid ass wine for a for a Millie. And Philip comes over the top and says, no, 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 no. You've oh you've read about it, sir. If you if you've never tried it, reading doesn't do it justice. May I? I've obviously tasted it many many times. I know what we're talking about. How about you let me get a little nip of that? Chen's game. So Philip does his whole wine bullshit, and sure enough, oh, Mister Chen, I assure you, this is the good good. I, I'm so pot. I stake my entire rep on it. And Ed doubles down with a yeah, and and I I double down raise mine on top of his. Try calling me now, bitch. I got a question for you, Ed. Yes. I'd like you to imagine a world in which you are the kind of person who will know is going to gamble at least three and a half million dollars this weekend. That sounds good. I like where this is going. It's gonna shell out a million dollars for wine that you could be so cavalier about that you're like, let's open up one of the 24 bottles I just bought right now just for shits. And that seems like it'd be pretty cool. Do you think now now put really, I want you to like put yourself in that role. Uh, Yeah, no, just balling out of control, but in a somewhat aloof manner. And now I want to imagine, I want you to imagine that you're in front of a bunch of strangers, media, there's photos and cameras rolling and some uppity sommelier tries to slack smack you down in public how are you going to react to that because i know how i would react well well first i don't think i'm letting the sommelier get a taste of that shit ed i respect he can get a little bit this this fucking guy you want no you can go open your you got some more in the back you want to open you're not you're not getting on my bottle 
you're not on my tab, but I think I would I would be much more of the initial, huh, this is it, huh? It's all right. I expect a little better, but uh, uh cheers. Y'all want to sit? Huh? Yeah. I could not imagine a world in which this sommelier to the stars gets away with talking to rich people like this, especially in a potentially humiliating forum like this. I I am shocked that Big Ed doesn't. I get what he was trying to do. I'm shocked that Big Ed doesn't just like fire him straight away. Like, hey, you don't talk to Wells like that. This isn't your fucking country club anymore. Yeah, you you are here to serve, not to uh, pull your uppity bullshit. Now, while all this is happening, though, a curious Mike, who earlier established himself as a big lover of wine, is uh, getting a little curious and investigating the bottle. And just based on an inspection of the label, reports back to Danny that the wine is fake. Need to put a pin in this of just Mike eyeballing it from a couple feet away says, hey, we got a problem, bud. So uh, this might be relevant. Mike and Danny come out of the commercial with the cases and Danny's like, what are you talking about, dude? You didn't try it. Like, come on. Like us labels are wrong, man. We're printed in 1978. You know what they didn't have in 1978? Lasers. Specifically laser printers. You're not getting that fine kerning. It's going to be bleeding. The lines, the, the, it's not going to look that good after now. Excellent use of kerning, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and their working assumption is that Monica got scammed way back when. But my immediate thought is Corbin just tried the wine, said he'd had it on many occasions. Certainly that guy would have spotted the fake. No, this motherfucker must be in on it immediately. Immediate evidence would go that way. And, you know, Danny's already got an extra grind. Turns out he's going to get there pretty quick, too. And despite being perhaps better suited to run down this wine crime, Mike is going to have to let Danny take the lead because he's being summoned back to Bellapetto, where it appears that the situation may have deteriorated further. Before we can find out that glorious subplot, Danny's going to get stopped by Sam, who is still holding ice on her face because she got popped by a champagne cork earlier, and it's never... It doesn't ever actually mean anything. It's just a bit we see twice inexplicably, which I did not really understand. If I was the kind of person that did research, I might have looked in to see, like, did Vanessa Marcel get hurt? Because, like, by the end of the episode, she's fine. So it's not like it's some, like, through line the entirety of it. But, like, was there something weird that happened that they couldn't cover with makeup? She she tripped on set and and cut her chin and they couldn't put enough cover up on it. So they just did this weird bit for the first half of the episode. I don't know. Because the first time they did it, amusing. The second time you're like, what? And then they don't go back to it for the comedy rule of three. So I'm like, right. I, I don't get it. Unforced writing error number two. Yeah. Is, what, what, is this a weird abuse subplot? What are we doing, guys? Jesus. But she bas- she's mostly just there to give Danny shit about the fact that her, his girlfriend is about to replace him for the uh, battery-powered power of the frisky ferret. And also give him back a binder from the wine auction, which just so happens to include the label from the broken bottle, which could be useful. Uh, I gotta throw a, a small flag on this play. My understanding is that this had nothing to do with the auction. It is... Ed's wine label scrapbook. Oh, I I missed that part. Which I have to say, terrible look for our guy. Like I I understand, you know, keeping corks or 
Jones. I, I don't even know. I Like, I there's just no world in which Ed is fucking scrapbooking wine labels. But fine. Say that he does. This is stolen he's wine going to, He's going to steal this wine valor? <laughs> Unconscionable. I, I mean, I guess I, as someone unfamiliar with the rules of scrapbooking wine labels, do you have to consume the wine bottle in order to save the label? I also confess I do not partake in this dark art, nor do I know anyone that does. But surely that's the baseline assumption. I, it would be my, hey, listeners, if any of you have a scrapbook of wine labels or or beer, you know, whatever, write in. Let us know. Wild to me. What else has Ed been lying about? Has he actually been in the CIA? Where did this tattoo come from, huh? I'm so angry, I didn't even call it a tattoo. How many secret rooms does Ed have? Well. Mm, quite a few. Yeah. A lot of them have to do with fucking Jillian. Yeah, a lot of gondola usage. At the pool, uh, it, it turns out is now the Montecito staff that's having reported the issues because clientele is just leaving. And that's because the number of topless elderly women has exploded from one to seven. And they keep leaving the cabana every five minutes to traipse around, running off to the bar to do shots. How are these women not dead? Uh, you know, you get the right cocktail of pills going. You could live forever. God damn. I, you know what? Excellent point. If I make it into my 80s and I am in Vegas at a pool, I am definitely going to be mixing Coke with my downers. At that point, like, who gives a shit? And just, I mean, they'll they'll have a phenomenal grouping figured out for folks of that age by the time we get there. Should we actually get there? <laughs> Coke in the 2070s is going to be wild. Yeah. Cyber Coke. But oh, Mikey, you know, the first the first try was a good idea. The the angry whale didn't want the cabana, so he got the old lady to go to the cabana. All right. She found a bunch of friends. OK, y'all keep playing your weird topless poker game in the cabana. I'm going to get you your own private waiter. You don't have to get up and go to the bar. This doesn't almost work because the head elderly is like, ah, you know, like getting up, getting my exercise, riding around. Mike's like, no, 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 I insist. Sorry, I'm back on the title of head elderly. Yes. Or or elderly, if you will. Headlery. There's there is not an easy portmanteau there, which I think, you know, because you know that I would have immediately gone to it as a fan of the art. Uh, I just love the idea of the head elderly. (laughs) But she's got her own tastes. She says, all right, if you're going to go to this trouble for us, we got one picked out. He's got some short shorts and a big old dong. So send that guy this way (laughs) and gives Mike a grab on the ass on his way out. Turns out Mary might enjoy the chivalry of elderly men, but Mike does not seem to be enjoying the uh, extreme horniness of the elderly ladies in attendance this weekend. I will say hat tip to the writers. If you're going to make somebody put up with misdirected horniness, it has to be Mike. The absolute perfect target of it. He has put it out into the world. He must, per the rules of karma, get it back. <laughs> and oh, is he ever. Up in surveillance, Danny asks Mitch, Mitch to uh, scan the Montrachet label from Ed's scrapbook and blow it up on the big screen. And sure enough, the ink has bled on the original label, suggesting the swap happened after it was discovered. But 
didn't that label get fucking wet when the wine bottle broke? Wouldn't that also cause the ink to bleed? It did, but we can pair it to the label from the case, which Mike, I guess, scanned because they didn't take it off the bottle because those bottles are still there. And after magnifying twice to super magnification, we are able to see just a little bit of difference in the bleeding one versus the straight line one, which again, Mike, I do not believe has that kind of Hawkeye. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you. A hundred percent. I cannot get past the fact that the broken bottle label got wet. Of course, the ink ran. But think of how, I mean, A, it's old ink. It's, it's pretty set in there. And Ed was so gingerly drawing it right off the bat. No! Unforced <laughs> error. I know, you're right. Down at Wolfgang's, Corbin is leading a wine tasting for Big Ed because he's looking to revamp the wine list entirely. And I gotta say, I, I love wine. I think it's great. I would say I'm above average, like more interested in wine. Mm-hmm. These two assholes make it look so unfun. I just hate it. It is a, I mean, it is a very funny caricature, but like, God damn, Big Ed, stock is tumbling in after hours trading. It's, it's a rough watch. As somebody much more aligned with young Daniel on the wine front, this, this scene is like what I picture when people are like, oh, you got to try this wine, you got to try this wine. So you can tell me fucking under notes of current that got slapped by a mint leaf once like fuck off. I don't care. Got to hit him with that baby diaper, yo. Oh, I oof, bad, bad, bad stuff. But Danny tries to interrupt, gets literal stiff armed by Ed while he's continuing this idiocy and finally is able to tell him, hey, bud, we uh, we just got took for a mill. Any chance you want to uh, knock it off with your new bestie here and uh, head back to TI with me? Time, time to do the work, bud. So they get back to Ed's office. They review the security footage. And the problem was, as we established, the hidden room was hidden. So there's no cameras inside of it. But they got two security guards out there checking workers as they come and go. And cameras out there see everyone who enters or leaves. And included in that is young Samantha Jane, who takes at least three or four whales on tours of this, despite being told she shouldn't. And it looks like one of them may have stolen a bottle, but only one. And they're like, that gets like, I'm looking for 24, fucker. Like, this does not help me. The only other access is when Corbin took some money up to Wolfgang's for the auction. But they had cameras on that the entire time. And Big Ed's like, look, you think I had to hire this guy and not check him out? Come on. Come on. I mean, it's happened before, but fair. So despite having no leads, Big Ed saddles Mike and Danny with find out who stole the wine recover that wine before Mr. Chin leaves. Oh, and do it quietly because we're getting a ton of positive PR about this and you can't blow that up. But I, Big Ed, notorious for involving myself in things that I shouldn't, am going to stay out of it? This seems like one that he was both heavily involved with and has at least more expertise than they do on the subject. Of of all the times to dig in, this seems like it would have been a good, uh, good Ed hunt. Right? But finally, Danny comes around to my way of thinking, which is Corbin must have been involved because he didn't identify the bad wine. And also has a vast network of wealthy wine collectors. So he could obviously fence this shit way easier than somebody else. Like, you know, if someone dropped fucking 600 grand of wine on us. We'd be like, uh, uh, cool. I guess we'll just 
drink it because I don't know how to resell wine. Yeah, like I don't think you put up on Craigslist, yo, you want some of this expensive wine that I got? Facebook Marketplace, top dollar hooch, 40 grand a bottle OBO. eBay, shipping not included. Buy it now price, 1.2 million. I mean, hey, if it works, it works, but it seems questionable. Dan- Danny's logic is sound. Um, There's no good transition or segue here. Bad shit is happening at Bellopetto. There's a water aerobics class happening led by and for the olds, the topless olds. The top, the topless olds is where it gets truly problematic. No, nobody, nobody wants to see that. I, I feel like this is the part where we should mention that a lot is made of the fact that there are old women being topless. The relevant part here is that they're ugly people being topless. Fra- frowned upon. I mean, <laughs> Sa- Sam's well off the bat is not somebody I would want to see at the topless pool either. Correct. Like he also needed to cover up. That was disgusting. I was just as displeased at that notion. I, a, f- a fair point to interject for sure. The only people we actually want to see at the topless pool are the very young, attractive people. Correct. And um, I certainly don't want to see a fucking water aerobics class. This is so very foul. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see one fully clothed either, to be honest. Yeah. And Delinda and Mary are just observing this crisis happening, talking about sexuality, the, the olds, their own, and just leaving it to Sam and Mike to figure out how to deal with this fucking nightmare that's unfolding. Finally, you know, Mike, useless as you would expect, completely out of ideas. Samantha Jane, a fan of the classics, noted cinema enthusiast. She's going to hit him with that Caddyshack, baby. Just need to find a baby Ruth bar and we got this sucker covered. Uh, Speaking of duties, I've never seen Caddyshack. There was no doubt in my mind on that one. I'm, I'm disgusted with you for that, but not surprised at all. I've watched like the first. I also really I have to say I don't like uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Mm, fair. And like I, I've never liked him. I've always thought he's just like a real obnoxious piece of shit. And like, as I recall, like the like first five minutes opens up with Bill Murray is like the groundskeeper. And then we goes who I'm like kind of mad on. I think he's fine. I think he's dramatically overrated. And then we go straight into Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm just like. Heavy lift. Got to go. I, I can certainly understand. I can appreciate somebody that does not enjoy a shtick. And Rodney Dangerfield is all shtick. And if that wears on you, then yeah, that's that's fair. And I would say I'm very before I get hate mail. I think Bill Murray is great. I just think he's overrated and he's got some real, real hit or miss moments. Like I think great in Ghostbusters. Love him in Groundhog Day. Um, see what would be another. There was some movie, it was like set in World War II, where they were like going around collecting art, like George Clooney. Oh, it. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was he was good in that. I know the movie you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. He, he also just seems like a huge dick in real life. And so I just have a hard time. That's So anyway, Caddyshack. I love golf. Love golf movies. Caddyshack. Never could get past it. That's the least surprising thing you've said in a while. That one, that one does not shock me in the least. So yeah, Sam drops this uh, candy bar in it, or screams out, oh my God, it's a poop, and everyone clears out. Is there not just a policy about exercising in the party pool? Like, I feel like if you, me, and six other people started doing water aerobics at a nice Vegas pool, they'd be like, stop. 
yeah, take that shit elsewhere. You you can go you can go to the old people's quiet pool over there. This is the fun party pool. Get the fuck out. This is not the vibe we want. Like where are the rules of Zik and we have the right to kick out anybody. That includes people having fucking exercise classes here. Get fucked. Your vibes are bad. There's no bad vibes. That's the rule. Goodbye. <laughs> I would respect the hell out of a party pool where one of the rules was no bad vibes. I feel like that's just a like unstated, understood. If you're not if you're not in the game, EA Sports, you're gone. Yeah, I think that's just a kind of Vegas umbrella policy. If you're not matching the vibes, bye bye. Sam, quick off her victory in the pool, is going to run into Danny, who has all these questions about the wine cellar. And she's like, yeah, I took a bunch of whales. Yeah, I gave one a, a bottle of champagne. It was the one that his wife had on her birthday. I don't know. Whatever. What's your fucking point, Danny? And Danny quickly realizes that, yeah, this is not going to do anything for his investigation. The other lead was maybe the HVAC ducts were compromised, but he and Mike find that to be fully reinforced. They're like, well, that's not it. Fuck us on that one, huh? So, hey, you knock out all the other options. Danny's right back to Philip, just in time for Philip to walk in and explain away that, look, man, it's not me. Why would I fucking steal it? The only reason I didn't catch that it was a fake wine is because I was trying to make your boss look good, and my job is to raise the profile of wine at the Montecito. You think I'm going to have it come out that we had a fake at, at this huge auction that's supposed to be the grand opening? What are you thinking? A little strategy, kids. Sure. Let's let us accept all of that at face value. Took him an awfully long time to get around to telling them that, though, right? It does seem like he would have let off with the, hey, uh, you know, all that expensive wine we just sold? That shit wasn't real, y'all. Like during the wine tasting with Big Ed? That would have been a great time. Yeah, there there would have been many chances for him to. And even if you say, Ed, I can understand having, like I said to Mr. Chin, since you haven't had it, I can understand why you wouldn't know what it tasted like. But I've had it. That wasn't the right stuff. Highly suspicious, if you ask me. Agreed. He still sucks. But what he does do is break the case wide open because he happened to lean up against some improperly cured plaster. And a review of the security footage shows that the construction crew stole the wine two bottles at a time as each one carried one out using their comically large thermoses to conceal the bottles. Yeah, there's there's two very helpful things here. One, thank God for Danny's long construction background to know all of the shit about the floaters and the setting and all the things that were done too quick, so they must have been in a hurry. And secondly, these dudes having the biggest goddamn thermoses of all time. It goes completely unexamined. But do we think they realized there was this opportunity, fucked off and bought comically large thermoses? And if so, I feel like that would have been an amazing scene because it means this is a crime of opportunity. And one of these idiot brothers turns to the other idiot brother and is like, yo, what if we just like, Go buy really large thermis, therm- thermoses, th- thermoses, thermoses, and like, I don't know, just shove the bottles in them. And the other one was like, well, we can't open the bottles, man. Then it's not worth anything. No, dude, we put the like, it's like a bottle koozie, but it's a thermos. Where's the closest dick sporting goods? But we need to keep it cool. And thermoses normally keep shit hot. How will it know? They work both ways. 
I just feel like we should, especially I guess we'll we'll get to meet these guys in their element later. I wish we got a flashback to the set up the heist scene. I let's put it this way. I could have done with much more con- time with the construction bros than the naked old people. Uh, yes, 100 percent. So our builders left in a huff. You know, they're they're trying to to get out of time. I mean, props to them. They don't loiter around the scene of the crime like other idiots on the show, but they can't find them anymore. Mike's calling up other contractors that I guess like were subbed out to these guys, got referred to nothing. But Danny finds out that one of them bought a GPS enabled truck and he and Big Ed are going to go track it. You might be thinking, why he and Big Ed? Why not Mike? Because Mike gets a phone call from my favorite recurring character. It's shitty corporate lawyer Kathy. Kathy, the lawyer, is back. And while we do not ever see or hear from her, we can tell from Mike's side of the conversation that the candy bar prank may not have been good because legal action is on the table. Turns out a couple of the biddies heard from the towel that the floater wasn't a human byproduct and they've contacted legal to say, hey, this is uh, feeling a little bit like age discrimination. OK, not wrong. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, no, got it in one. But instead of getting anything for their efforts, they're just going to strip back down and head out to make a mess of Bellapetto again. Yeah, I I will say I very much enjoyed Sam rolling into the conference room ready to tear Mike a new one, only to quickly realize that, oh, no, it's time to eat some shit. And this is actual shit, not a candy (laughs) bar. So uh, just put a smile on your face, Sam, and let's have some fun. And God bless her. Sam just sold this perfectly. I I feel like they know that Sam knew what she was, but they're just like, Okay. This is no. This is the win for them. They love this. This you're gonna fucking wear this. Yeah. No. Mike Mike and Sam eating this is all that they needed. They they are more than happy to then go back to their topless pool. Meanwhile, Corbin is trying to flirt with Delinda over some rosé, and Danny grabs him to go out to North Vegas with he and Ed to ID the recovered wine. But if you're Corbin, you got to think: Is that real? Or because I was flirting with this guy's girlfriend, am I about to get my ass kicked and dumped in the desert? Because my money is just as much on that. Yeah. And, uh, and a guy who already hates me and thought that I did the the job anyway. Right. If I'm Corbin, I'm like, no, uh-uh, man. My, my employment is within the bounds of the Montecito. You can bring that shit back to me and I'll look at it, but I'm good here. I got a phone. Snap me a cell phone pic. SMS, baby. I don't do field trips, partner. This is also another opportunity for Delinda to bring up the frisky ferret because it seems like at this point she is actively trying to sabotage her relationship with Danny. She is just ultra, ultra horny. She's had a lot of fun and would love to see her boyfriend every once in a while. But since he's never there, well, she's got a frisky ferret friend. And because she's horny all the time at Danny's left once again, she's willing to help Mike and Sam with their Bella Petal problem. The answer she comes up with, hire the guys from Thundertown Under to perform for these old ladies up in the Cooper suite. You know, Delinda being in ultra horny mode unlocked the the ultra horny dialogue options that the others just didn't have access to. (laughs) Which is wild when you consider Mike should always have the ultra horny dialogue options up. True. Our guy's got 10 points out of 10 in horny. Uh, But he's he's tried going that route and it has not gone well for him today. So his, his receptors may be a little blocked by all the old lady titties he's seen. And also Sam has 10 out of 10 points unlocked in higher sex workers for, for clients. Like 
that does seem like one she should have come up with. Disappointed in her folks here. But it turns out it was neither Sam nor Mike that had the hookup, but Mary, who will be joining the party with Mike and Delinda to watch the old get stripped upon. And (laughs) it turns out that Mary was able to uh, call in a favor because she is a quote unquote big fan of the show. Big tipper. The, The Mary stripper love angle coming back out of nowhere, which I I did appreciate that bit of continuity. Hell of a hat tip. Sam loves close up magic and Mary loves banana hammocks. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. (laughs) (laughs) I I enjoyed that. The McFatiff finds the brand new trucks in North Vegas. They make entry to the home and turns out the guys are having a cookout celebrating their success. Kept one of the bottles to try it, pouring it into red solo cups. And I love that Danny just gets in line for a burger from the grill. It was so good. This whole bit was so, so good. And the guys are just like, oh, hey, what's up, Danny? Uh, Wait, what are you doing here? Oh, just hanging. Okay, cool. And they chat with him. It still took another couple beats for them to realize, hey, maybe we should quit telling this guy about all the money we just spent. Oops. Yeah. Uh, So they rabbit once they realize the jig is up. Ed takes out one guy. Danny just keeps munching on his burger. So Corbin tries to take out the other, jumps on the guy's back and is obviously unable to break him down. So Danny just gives him one in the gut. Still with the burger in his other hand, too. Maybe the most nonchalant Danny takedown we've gotten. Bad news for our construction bros, because it turns out not only have they sold all but one of the bottles, they then have spent a bunch of the money. But uh, you know what? They're willing to figure something out because, you know, Otherwise, cops and add torture and shit like that. I, I, it's always nice to find reasonable gents. Couldn't go so far as to call them gentlemen thieves, but they at least are cut from that cloth. They're just they're gentlemen thieves on the come up. Yeah, this is they're getting their start in the game. It was a crime of opportunity, but they it unlocked a path that they did not know was available to them. A new dialogue tree has opened. <laughs> as we come out of commercial, the. Very helpful construction guys are taking Danny and Ed to the liquor store where they sold the wine to and say that the guy sells the good stuff out back. So Ed decides to go in with a very thick envelope full of money, says, hey, I'm uh, here for a specialty item, which causes the guy behind the counter to pull out a box of some super fucked up fetish stuff, including, say, donkey porn, which oof. I refuse to look to see if that is Urban Dictionary code for something else or if it is literally people fucking donkeys because I don't want to know. <laughs> so let me stop you right there in case you do know. Do not share that information. And that goes for you, too, as well, listeners. Been a while since you've been at Tijuana, huh, Judson? <laughs> but the real thing here is, can you imagine the era of having a very bizarre porn fetish and having to go communicate that to a person? That must have been really rough. Probably not a fun way to live. We try not to yuck people's yums on this show, but like it's bad enough if you're into donkey porn. It's way worse if you have to go tell someone you're into it. <laughs> oh, God. There's there's no VPN for real world communication. Yeah, if you walk into a liquor store with a mask and a voice changer, you're going to get shotgun to the gut. But this guy, after Ed doesn't buy his porn, is being incredibly dismissive to him about his liquor taste, which is an extremely dumb position to have for starters, because look, money talks. What do you care if the guy's going to enjoy it? 
But then when he tries to raise the price on Ed, he and his dumb mustard covered face almost die on that counter when Ed tries to Mortal Kombat fatality rip his throat out. Yeah, he uh, he's going for the full roadhouse and Ed decides, here's the new deal. You get to keep your larynx intact and I get the wine. Well, as intact as it is right now, it was probably more intact five or ten seconds ago. Sure. The wine recovered. Mike and Danny bring Mr. Chen's wine out. You know, he's checking out. They're going to escort him to the airport. But damn it, this motherfucker doesn't leave right away. And he's going to wish he had. He's like, ah, I was hoping I'd be able to say goodbye to Corbin. Anyway, Ed, I want to thank you for your gratitude for what exactly is completely unclear to me. But nonetheless, I'm so appreciative. Here is one of the bottles of wine for you, my friend. What a guy. I mean, talk about appreciating hospitality. Of course, Big Ed tries to demur, but Mr. Chin insists and hands him one of the bottles, which Ed, of course, immediately safeguards and puts away and protects it. Now, you would uh, you would think that Ed would go back to his days on the film, the program. And remember, you need you need a couple multiple points of contact on that ball. But he's holding it like a breadbasket. And uh oh, show enough, Philip running down the hall because he so desperately wants to say goodbye to Mr. Chen, I guess that part's never really explained, but decides to run through Ed through the very easily visible bottle that you would think this sommelier would care about, but no, crashes right through him. Bottle goes up, bottle comes down, crashing before our very eyes as Mr. Chen just shakes his head in disappointment at these idiots. The episode's denouement. Delinda grabs Danny for a nooner, brings him back to their place for a little fuck session, but when she steps into the bathroom and Danny starts hearing a vibrating noise, he loses his mind and thinks Delinda is now in the shitter going to town with the toy, flips out, confesses his paranoia, and Delinda's like, hey, no problem. I don't have to spend my time fantasizing about having sex with you in weird places. I'll just throw this toy away and we'll go back to the way things were. To his credit, Danny wisely sees the error of his ways, pulls the toy out of the trash can, thankfully in its box, and uh, launches into some vibrating of his own. And this time it's not just the electric toothbrush, if you know what I mean. Why, no, Judson, I really don't know. It's the sex toy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 sex toy. Ed, did you like the episode? Uh, it was fine. I- I'd say in the binary yes or no that, yeah. How about you? <clears throat> a reading from the book of my notes. Did you like the episode? Bullet point. Yeah. All right. I mean, it just, yeah. It's a down I mean, middle, sort of. I, I could have done without the Bellapetto side story, obviously. But look, oh, it's pretty fun. I love when the McFativ activates. I will even say, well, conceptually, I was not really looking for all that many saggy boobs. I think it was played well enough and it was funny enough that it didn't. We we have had some side plots that have truly overstayed their welcome. And while I think this crept up there, there were enough parts of it that were amusing enough to where I didn't fully hate it. Yeah, I think that's kind of where my head's at. But we got to shift our attention to the chip lead. So as a reminder, Sam is defending the crown. Second place, Ed, Delinda, Mike, and tied for last, Danny and Mary. And if we recall, pretty tight grouping going into this. Mm-hmm. 
because people who were in last had been doing pretty well for themselves. I mean, starting with the top, I feel like Sam had a pretty good weekend. Her bottom line seems like it was pretty juiced. And the fallout from the baby Ruth incident wasn't that bad. I didn't see anything there that's going to, I think, cost her the chip lead. Yeah, she. I don't think she was around enough to really have much downward movement. And I think you called it correct. Ed, though, who cartoon sync lines come off her boy. This is bad. It's a bad day for old Ed. Let's we, we got to figure out where everybody else goes because he goes way down. I don't know how far down he goes, but I know he goes way down. I thought Delinda did great. You know, she's living her best sex life. No, no losses. Yeah, she was just cranking it all episode. She had a great day. Minimum, absolute minimum four orgasms that we know of. And the rest of the time seemingly was drinking. So honestly, D might of go up to no one. notes. Like, yeah, nailed it. Like she, you got you got my perfect day lined up. Well done. Mike, slight hit, but I'd say mostly unchanged. Like he seemed to be Teflon with the wine incident. Bellopetto was annoying, but like, I don't know. He he had worse with the Bellopetto than Sam did, obviously, but the way that he was able to get completely off scot-free on fumbling the wine, I think easily negates that out. So I think him being dead sort of center makes sense. I think Danny took a major hit. There's no two ways about that. I mean, he spent the entire episode in his mirrors about the sex toy. Yeah. Obviously, the the wine bottle fiasco, bad all the way around. Yeah. He's going to get no credit for the recovery of the wine either. No, if anything, he's going to get blame for... He will somehow pick up residual blame for the first bottle because of the second bottle. Yeah. In a, that's twice, I want some butts type manner. And then I think Mary... Good episode. She was charmed by the old men and then getting her freak on with the Aussies like Mary. Mary, I think, had a great day for her. So tentatively, I've got it as Sam, Delinda, Mike or Mary. I don't really care. And then Ed with Danny still in the rear. I would put Mary over Mike just because I think Mary had like you said, it was close before and we gave Mary a pretty cavernous fall. Last time, not because of anything she did, but because of situations beset upon her and her doing a good thing, making it suck for her. She had very little to do this episode, but it was all great for her. I got no issues with that. And I think with Sam holding on to the chip lead and having a bang up day at the office, I have Delinda coming from middle of the pack to second. I, I would entertain an argument for her being one, but. I don't feel strongly in either way. And I think Sam didn't do enough to cost her the chip lead. Either way, here on our belated International Women's Day episode, the ladies running it up. Look at that. And it's still uh, Women's History Month. So we got that going for us. Look at that. Allies to the end. Down with the patriarchy. Ding. Did we convince them? Probably not, but it's worth a try. From time to time. We bestow the McKee key upon those that we found to do Vegas exceptionally well. And it has come to the committee's attention that the representative from the state of Texas has a nomination to make. Judson, I would actually, I I don't know if this has ever been done, but for the sake of debate, I I would offer up two nominations. Whoa. I don't know if that's allowed. I haven't checked the bylaws. Uncharted territory. I haven't checked the bylaws, but I, I, I come... To the council 
while the parliamentarian is researching the question of whether or not there could be two keys bestowed in one episode, we will entertain the motion for now. Oh, I'm I'm not offering both to win. I'm offering both. Oh, I I am two contestants enter the McKee arena. Yes, I'm I'm offering a Thunderdome. Parliament parliamentarian gave us a thumbs up on that. Okay, well it it may we're here for that. It may be a little unfair, but in this corner we have the wheeling and dealing. Wine buying, chip flying, legend from season one, reborn in season four, Mr. Chen. Had a great weekend gambling, bought this one. Did he? It sounds like he got his ass kicked at the tables. Said he had played three and a half mil. Did he lose three and a half mil? My understanding is that he was into him for three and a half. Okay. Withdrawing. But he doesn't seem upset about it. So, I mean. And that's got to come with the territory, right? Right. Part of my offering, though, was I wasn't sure if it was loss or like he's just like, yo, I got big money in play. Let's go. Uh, But he and like you said, unfazed, so happy that he's giving away a $30,000 bottle of wine at the end to the guy running the joint. Sure seemed to be having a good time. Yeah. And yes, watching that second bottle fall, he was ashamed to watch it. That was no longer his. That's Ed's problem. And I respect the hell out of him not going back to give him another bottle. Like, oh, wh- no, no, nah, man, you had your chance. I've, op- I've already opened up two for you, motherfucker. You're done. Bye bye. And in this corner, it may be unfair. This is a handicap match. It's a swarm of old biddies who has spent the entire weekend naked, hitting on pool boys, drinking off their minds, playing cards, loving life. And the one moment of embarrassment they used to get over on the staff. I got to say, very compelling. I think the olds might actually be the winners here. Here's the only thing I'll say about that. Okay. A lot of what they did, they could not replicate again. You know, a lot had to go their way in terms of Mike offering the cabana and then, you know, so on and so forth. It's it's not about being seasoned Vegas No, no, but it's did you do Vegas exceptionally well? And I would argue Vegas was done exceptionally well upon them. A rose by any other name. I would say Mr. Zhao slash Chen did Vegas exceptionally well. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So I guess what it comes down to is, is does the Makiki recognize achievement or does it recognize outcome regardless of how you got there i will say i have always been looking at it as doing when we when we talk about doing vegas well it's it's a a best time had i think i've always thought of it as outcome based uh but the when you frame it the way that you did it was certainly chin doing vegas whereas the olds got bank error in their favor on account of vegas yet could argue that that is in and of itself being being right place, right time is doing Vegas. Well, I mean, is it is it God? I mean, we're in uncharted territory. Does it is it possible that this is a draw and we're going to give out multiple keys or is that a, a draw? No key. <laughs> oh, no, I would argue. I, I, do, I do not think we can split oh, on this one. I think this is a there can only be one. My heart wants to give it to Chin. I know. Mine does too. But can you imagine, like, just take take out the fact that it's the olds. You show up in Vegas and someone's like, hey, man, you want this free cabana? Fuck yeah, I do. 
You meet six of your buddies at the topless pool. You're loving life. You're playing cards, but you're having to go get up for shots. They're like, hey, man, what if we bring them to you? You get to pick your waitress. Oh, what's that? Hey, how about a private stripper suite in your stripper show in your suite? The raw the raw numbers are hard to argue with. Okay, counter argument. Of course. Uh, You are going to Vegas as you do regularly. You are fuck you giraffe money rich. And you are going because there is an auction for the finest of Notre Dame and Atlanta Braves sports memorabilia. (laughs) And you find the fucking gem that's been missing from your collection. Mm -hmm. You win it at auction for an amount of money so inconsequential to you that you're going to gamble away or back to you. Who knows? At least a three and a half multiplier on that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good weekend. You're getting publicity for your wins. You're going to be in all the. Oh, wait. Do you want? That? I can't. You I don't can't. Want that, I can't. Do you? you don't want to. Be no, in, it's in not paper. that. It's not that. It's I can't. I can't brook the disrespect he took from Samoye. Mm. It's over. Yeah. It's over. The biddy's got it. The biddy's got it. Congrats to the olds. I will say notes for the Mr. Zhao's out there slash chins. He could have had it. I would have gone to the mat for him if he had told Philip to fuck himself in front of all that press. I I think that's a, a fair way to come down on it. Because he in that moment did Vegas very poorly. Yeah. Make a fucking scene. What is the point in being that rich if you can't make a fucking scene? If you if yeah, why spend the draft money if you can't tell this rando to fuck off? Hey, uh, Ed, do me a favor. I'll give you another bottle. Fire that fuck right now. I'll watch. Yeah. You can have the rest of this case. He gone. All right. Uh, congratulations to the fucking Fort Lauderdale chapter of AARP. <laughs> you are the winners of tonight's Makiki. I feel like we should have a sound effect. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if we have one. I don't think so. Well, while I search for the sound effect in my head. What uh, what advice do you have for our audience? Kids, if you like Sam's Well or planning a trip to a resort with a topless pool that you really want to go to, might be worth checking out if there are any uh, conferences or retreats that weekend that might also be at that topless pool that you don't want to see. Yeah. Also, I feel like there was a uh, pecuniary way of dealing with this problem that he did not avail himself of. There, there had to be several other fixes that... He just did poorly. Hey, I'll give you a thousand dollars to go sit in that lounge chair. <laughs> OK, thousand bucks to trade. Nailed it. Got it one. Yeah. Well, we saw a Asian whale from our past revisit Neon City. Any chance we're going to get another one next time and hear from our dear friend, Big Willie? Well, while I cannot speak to the powers of Las Vegas reincarnation, Judson, next time on Pod at the Montecito, fleeting, cheating, meeting. Ed's got his poker face on when he meets the husband of an old employee, but he immediately has Mike and Danny tag the guy. Meanwhile, Sam and Mary fight for OK Go's attention. The only thing I remember about this episode, and this could be wrong, Okay, go with the idiots with the treadmills, right? Correct. And they, they have a bit with the treadmills. That's the only thing I remember about the episode as well. In the in the Cooper suite, yep. I think. That's the only thing I remember. Same. Wild. 
I, I complete blind spot beyond that. Also, first musical guest we've gotten this season? Question mark. It's been a minute because I guess we had we had musical guests for the wedding, right? Right. I guess Sugarland would have been in the first episode. That's it. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, that NBC marketing money. Get after it. Well, I'm I'm excited because uh, you know revisiting an episode that I don't remember fuck all about. That ain't bad. Here's hoping. Big money, big money, no whammy. I tend to remember the stinkers more than the winner. I mean, obviously the winners, but like I'd say the ones right down the middle tend to be the ones I don't have crystal clear recollection on. And those are obviously above average way to spend my time or we would not have made a podcast about the show. Right. So I, I'm inclined to, to be excited. Um, I'm hoping for good times. Well, thank you to everyone who uh, is listened to this episode and is sticking with us, assuming you are. I mean, I guess it's possible no one has listened, in which case, fuck all of you. But for those of you that are dealing with the the service disruption, uh, we really appreciate your understanding. Um, again, if you need some more details, check out that last episode. But uh, at least for the next few months, it's going to be a little dicey, a little, little spicy. Yeah, it turns out uh, real world gets in the way sometimes with the whole people wanting you to do your job, which sucks. But, eh, you know, it's what it is. We're, we're not dead yet. And look, I just there's probably going to be some global crisis not too distant future that's going to cause us all to shelter in place for an extended period of time and we can crank the rest of these out much ado about nothing just treat treat this like summer vacation you'll be fine i really hope you just didn't fucking wish something into the universe on us that wasn't already coming but you're probably right that it already is uh if for some reason you want to inflict this upon others you can leave us a five-star review it helps us do something with the algorithm i don't really know you could tweet at us on twitter at Pod using the hashtags las vegas for peacock or get cozy with vegas quick note on cozy uh which i think we mentioned during this little special episode but uh i think it's only now on the weekends so embrace the slowdown if you need to stockpile your cozy apps Otherwise, just, you know, buy the DVDs like we had to. You'll be fine. And who knows? Maybe those uh, saggy titties will end up in the special features reel. Peacock, you know you want them. Tell a friend about us. Tell Peacock. Tell Cozy. Don't tell James LeSure. Especially don't tell him that we think Mike might be the worst, best. I mean, to be clear, not James's fault. But there's no reason to bring up the fact that we think Mike might be the worst, best friend in all of popular (laughs) television. Do, however, tell Alan Alda that we think it would be very funny if Hawkeye had been hitting on BJ's wife during match. He's got to be. Look, I know we've prematurely killed a lot of people. Alan Alda's definitely dead, right? Wrong. Motherfucker has a podcast. He just did an episode. I don't listen to it, but I saw he just did an episode with the character that plays BJ where they asked Chet GBT to write a script to write dialogue for an episode of MASH that they read on the podcast. Huh. 87 years old, still kicking. My apologies, Alan Alda. Good on you, bud. That motherfucker could probably do Vegas exceptionally well. I I would not In- intersection of uh Intersection of bitty life and giraffe money. It's a great place to be. Ah, uh, the center of the Venn diagram we've all been looking for. Um, You could email us. Pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Eddie Mac. Uh, do the letters first and then the squiggly D. There you go. It's just, it's a good email policy moving forward. <laughs> and until next time, 
whatever that might be. I've been Judd, he's been Ed, and this has been Pod at the Montecito. This is...